Hello and welcome to Wellness Matters. I am Heather Crocio and this is a place where we discuss all things wellness, basically mind, body, and spirit. When we work on all three of these things, that's what creates wholeness. My intention for this podcast is to help you get curious. We are always a work in progress. Getting curious is the first step. So come on and have a listen. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Wellness Matters. I am so excited because I've been waiting for this podcast for about, I think it was like a year at least. So my guest today is going to blow your mind because he is an amazing channeler that I happen to find through a friend of mine. And once I kind of started following, I was like, oh my gosh, why was I not doing that before? It's kind of like one of those things where you have to just, once you know, you know. And so I started working with Daniel. I worked with him a couple times one-on-one and in like a group setting. Both of them were just perfect timing for me and like my practice, but he does tons and tons of different readings and one-on-one sessions and classes that you can take. So without further ado, I'm going to just introduce him. His name is Daniel Scranton, and he has been channeling higher dimensional beings and collectives since 2010. He has hosted hundreds of live and online events and does private sessions. On top of that, he's also an author and, like I said, a teacher. He loves to put his messages out there that he channels, but he also does an amazing job of trying to help you, the client, learn how to do channeling and meditative type practices on your own. So Daniel, thank you so much for being here today with me. It's my pleasure, Heather. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I was just talking to Daniel before I started hit record. He was living in Hawaii when I last spoke with him, and now he's living in Australia. I don't know how you make such a big move like that. And just, <laughs> he's like, Yeah, I've been here for a while now. No big deal. <laughs> Most people would be like pulling their hair, like, Where, how I'm in a new place. This is a little bit scary. And he's just like, Yeah, we're at an Airbnb right now for a little while. <laughs> so I just love how grounded you are. You're just, I do all my anxiety uh, off camera and <laughs> not recorded. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, I had to move three cats here. Oh. We had to move all our stuff. I got my permanent residency in 2023. So it's been quite a year to yeah. to get to this point where we just closed on our house. Um, we sold our house on Maui. It took a year for that to sell. And then after that, we found our house here within two months. So it's been that that part's been a really easy transition because we found the perfect house in two months. Mm, yeah, I was just listening. I was in a group kind of like a we meet once a month, kind of like a mastermind, but also like, I don't know, we just a bunch of women getting together, talking and whatnot. And the woman who hosts it, she said today, which I found to be super, I don't know. I, I really, it really hit me. Like it's, it felt right to me, but she said, rather than us being like expecting the, the, the lands to provide for us, she believes that we actually provide for the lands and where you are meant to be will eventually call you yeah. it's whether or not you're going to listen to the callings, whatever. But 
you know, so many people are like, I don't want to be living where I am right now. I want to, I want to go live somewhere else, but I don't Mm -hmm. know where. Mm -hmm. And what she was saying was she believes, and I felt it kind of in my soul, like that the earth will end up calling you wherever Mm -hmm. it needs your, your gifts and basically like who you're supposed to be meeting and that kind of thing. Do you think that way? Yeah, I do. Because with Maui, it was, it was that way. I didn't think I'd be on Maui. I thought I'd be in Kauai. I always thought Mm. about Kauai as being the place. And basically housing on either one of those islands is really tough to find. So I I wound up moving from California to the big island because I knew the big island's got plenty of housing. And there's an active volcano that at the time in 2014 was really active. So um, that you could have bought a house for $90,000, you know, in that volcano, <laughs> so that volcanic yeah. zone. And um, so, yeah, it was really easy to land there with three cats and a dog. And <laughs> and then I was just had a person who had been to one workshop of mine in Southern California. And she was over on Maui and she kept inviting me to, to come over there. And I'd take these little puddle jumper planes little eight-seater planes, and I'd go do a workshop there where I'd teach and I'd channel. And then I would uh, fall in love with Maui. And so um, when it became Mm. uh, obvious that it was time to leave the Big Island, I just was like, well, let me find a place on Maui. And found it very easily. Of course. The first place I found. The second place I got, which was more long-term, was because of someone that had been at one of my workshops you know, that I knew her enough to go, hey, um, you live on a farm. Are you renting any house, any housing there? And then from there, I met my wife, my, my current wife, mm-hmm. and we um, bought a house, our first house ever on Maui, my first house I had ever bought on Maui. So it, it wow. really, and that unfolded beautifully, you know, saw the house, made an offer, offer accepted all on the same day, like got the loan approval on the same day while texting in the driveway with the loan officer. I mean, it was just like... Meant to be. They say that about Maui, too. They say it either opens its arms up to you or spits you out. Yeah, I love that. The fact that I was able to find all that housing in a place that's really hard to get. Like, literally, somebody puts a house or an apartment for rent online, and they get like 175 applicants right away. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then you have, you bring pets into the picture and it makes it even harder. So that's Mm. when you know, like things are being divinely orchestrated. But I also knew, like I was saying before about my anxiety, which is something I've dealt with for my whole life, you know, two very anxious parents, you know, it made, made a lot of sense for me to be a very anxious person. Yep. And so when I was looking for a place for me and my cats, this is when I was in between relationships and I was just like, looking for a place for me and three cats. And, um, (laughs) and I was so freaking out because I had to get out of this sublet I was in. That was only a three month sublet. That was the first place I landed in. And I realized I'm doing this the wrong way. Like I teach this stuff. This is not, you don't go about like just searching Craigslist, like every five minutes you, you shift your vibration. And that's what I did. And when I did that, that's when, you know, that inspired idea can drop in mm, when I'm standing yeah. across from the woman who's attended one of my workshops at the farmer's market and go, well, you live on a farm. Do you guys have any places to rent? 
and they rented to me in one day without checking references, without of checking course. credit report. None of that. They were just like, come meet with us at the, at the farm. And we met and we talked and they offered it to me. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to live on an organic farm. It's always been a dream of mine to live on an organic farm. (laughs) And this place had this Ohana with the sickest view of the ocean. It was like, there were no houses in between, even though I wasn't on the ocean, there were no houses in between where I was. And it was just like all land. So it was really beautiful. It was a a magical experience being there on Maui. See, Mother Earth (laughs) called you and you responded. And I love that. That was a perfect example. Yeah. Can we back up just a little bit for the listener? Because I kind of know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, can we go to like the beginning? So like I said in the intro, Daniel is a channeler and We'll get into like what channeling actually means, but I think it's wild, the whole thing, the the way this all happened, whatever. So yeah, if you could just go back to when you became a channeler, what is a channeler? Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's just start there. Well, yeah, I discovered channeling without even realizing I was discovering channeling. I was just reading conversations with God because it was a book that had been recommended to me by like three different people. And after the third recommendation, Mm, I said, yeah, okay, I'll read it. And then after I read it and loved those books, my uh, spiritual teacher from California and I were talking, she said, oh, you like channeled material? You should check out Emmanuel's books. And then that was the first time I go, oh yeah, I guess these books are channeled, these conversations with God books. And then I read these three books called Emanuel's books, not hugely popular, but on the back, I think there was a blurb from Deepak Chopra on one of them saying that Mm. these are the, these are like of the same caliber as the Seth books. So then I had to look at the Seth books and I love Seth so much. And Seth is still my favorite channeled being. In fact, I'm re-listening to Seth books right now that I've read um, because somebody read them on YouTube and I just found them recently. Oh, cool. I started re-listening. But from there, I found Abraham because, of course, to be able to go to a workshop where someone is channeling, that was always a dream of mine when I heard about those Seth gatherings in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in, in uh, Jane Roberts' apartment. These people just got to go and watch this woman channel and ask questions. And like I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So then the next thing I know, I'm like at every Abraham workshop I can possibly attend from 2005 to 2011. Can you tell us who is Abraham? It's funny you should ask because Abraham is like probably the most well-known channeled entity and Esther Hicks would be the most well-known channeler of all time because she'll she'll publish a book and it will go like almost to number one on Amazon in all books. You know, she almost hit number one, one with one of her books, I remember. And so she's probably, her workshops are attended by hundreds, if not thousands of people, depending on where she goes, where she channels Abraham. And Abraham, it's really funny because when Jane Roberts died, it was 1984. So obviously the Seth channelings no longer happened after 84. But then what was birthed out of that was Bashar, the alien, Mm -hmm. 
and Abraham, mm-hmm. the non-physical collective consciousness. And they both have steadily been producing the best channeled material since Seth, in my opinion, since the mid 80s. Daryl actually got started in 83. So he was a year before Jane's death. And I think Esther may have been 85 or 86. And um, wow. Yeah, it's just simply life altering teachings that are consistent, that are beautiful, that, you know, Abraham's basic message is focus on whatever you can to feel good, you know, feel Mm -hmm. as good as you can change your thoughts, change, change the way you feel. It'll change everything. You'll change your life. You'll manifest whatever you want because you'll be raising your vibration, lowering your resistance, all that stuff. And uh, Bashar's basic message is follow your bliss, you know, follow what excites you the most, do that, do it the best to the best of your ability. If you can't go to Italy, you know, focus on um, taking Italian or something, whatever you can do to, to further that excitement that you have for that particular topic or place or something. And your life will be beautiful and magical because you'll, you'll be listening to what's coming to you from within instead of saying to somebody else, what do you think I should do? You know, what's going to make me the most money. Luckily I've never followed that path in my life. I never said, well, what job can I get now that will make me the most money? You know, it was always like, I have to be interested enough in this to do it. And there has to be some reward to it in the doing of it besides the money. Right. And now I'm a channeler who makes way more money than I ever dreamt I would make, which is, you know, which has happened over time. Obviously, it's been 13 plus years that I've been channeling. So it took time. But still, it's not not like I ever thought I'd be making enough money to be buying houses, you know. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. In Australia. So um, you were reading books on channeling. I, I remember you'd started with um, Reiki, right? You were a Reiki master. And is that how it started? Well, it started, the channeling kind of started with Reiki. But at the time, yeah. I had only had my Reiki level one. I got level mm. two and level three after the weird stuff started happening with me doing Reiki on people. And my my hands moving over their bodies by themselves, like windshield wipers, one at a time. So the right one would go across the body with the elbow anchored and the hand moving back and forth, and then it would stop and go back down on the person. And the other one would rise up and do that. And I'd just be watching this happen and going, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Were and you then- scared? No, not at all. I mean, coming from the Abraham world, you see everything as a positive, Mm. I think. And maybe also because I think I was sort of meant to do all this, you know. I mean, I I knew Mm -hmm. I wanted to help people. I thought I wanted to be a a therapist from the time I was like 16, 17 years old. So I I knew that this was my path. I just didn't know how I was going to get here. Right, right, because it's not conventional. <laughs> no, I, I tried to go to graduate school and get a get a doctorate and all that stuff, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it after I graduated. I and it. I loved being in, in university. I loved my studies and psychology and everything, but I just couldn't bring myself to go and take the exam that you have to take to even apply 
to go to get a master's so or a PhD. So I, uh, yeah, uh, I started noticing these things happening. My head starts moving like Stevie Wonder when he sings all by itself. <laughs> My lips yeah. start moving and I start making whispering sounds like this. And then to when I went, oh, my God, channeling? Really? Me? Never thought I would be a channel. Even though it was the most interesting, exciting thing in the world to me, is all I really cared about from 2002 to 2010, I never thought I was going to do it. So it was right. a surprise. And then at that point, I didn't know what to do. So then two months later... I'm asleep and I'm dreaming and the dream is very short. And I look at this guy I know from the Abraham workshop named Peter, and he is way into aliens and stuff. And I totally wasn't. And I looked at him and I said, I understand now about the other beings. And that's all I said. And that was the end of the dream. I wake mm. up, all this energy comes pouring in through the crown of my head. And I'm in bed with, I'm feeling such ecstasy. My back is arched. I'm barely touching the bed because my back is so arched from the pure bliss and ecstasy of this experience. And it's just energy moving through my body, head to toe. And I'm just blown away by it. I'm just going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I couldn't believe it was happening. And then I'm going, one more, please. One more, please. One more, please. And what I just kept saying that like one more time, one. And then I started wondering about it as it's happening. As you do, your mind starts to have its thoughts about an experience. And I'm going, what does this have to do with that dream? What does this have to do with aliens? Because I knew Peter must have meant aliens when he said other beings in that dream, because I knew him. And then as soon as I thought the word aliens, I got a huge surge of energy through my body. And so I said, oh, okay. So then I just start thinking the word over and over again, thinking I'll get more of this if I just keep thinking aliens. But then I started talking to them and asking them questions. And if the answer was a yes, I would get a huge surge of energy. And if it was a no, I'd get nothing. And then mm. I thought, well, maybe I'll see you in the room if I open my eyes. So I open my eyes and I look around the room and I don't see anything. But I start getting the surges all over again, like, like they were with the same intensity from the beginning. And that went on for I don't know how many minutes. It felt like a long time, but I doubt it was very long. And so from that point on, I said, I know that feeling exists now and I want it. You yeah, know, I want absolutely. that feeling. I'm going to go deeper in meditation than I've ever gone before and get it back. And then I don't know what aliens have to do with any of this, but <laughs> I'm going to start looking into <laughs> that as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There was obviously Bashar, who I knew about, and I actually went to have a private session with him in like 2005, but at that time didn't know Bashar was an alien. I just thought Bashar was the name of the entity, like Abraham's right. the name of Esther's entity. So I go and I I go to a, a Bashar workshop, and I go to Wendy Kennedy's workshops, Nora Harold's workshops. These are all people in Southern California where I was living who did workshops and who channeled aliens. So that's how I kind of got into that. You know, this is March of 2010 when I have this big download and I'm, and I, like I said, I'm trying to get that feeling back and I can, I can get, here's what I can do. I can give myself full body goosebumps just by doing this, just breathing and focusing. Now it's down my legs. Oh my gosh. My hair standing up on, on my arms and legs. 
I was going to say, when you were talking about this, I have like this tingling going on. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it in the, on the camera. I don't know if it shows up, but it's all goosebumps. All No way. Yeah. And yeah, I was getting goosebumps when I was telling part of the story, but that was what I was able to do. And also I could listen to Coldplay's Fix You. And during the instrumental version, I would just have to stand up <laughs> for some reason and kind of do that breathing. For some reason, my fingers on my hands are have to be like, touching. It's not like I do this with any sort of volition or know what I'm doing. It's just that this is what happens when I start doing that. It's like my fingertips touch and my hands and arms kind of move back and forth like an accordion, like I'm playing an accordion or something. Yeah. And I breathe and I, and I can feel energy in my body like that, but not anywhere near what it was that night. So yeah, then, then I just kept down that path and kept going to Abraham workshops and Finally, in, in October I'm of 2010, I'm dry heaving while in an Abraham workshop because I'm tuning into the energy of it. Like I want to feel what Esther's feeling, and I'm tuning into it, and I'm get, and I'm starting to dry heave in the workshop, and I'm like, okay, this isn't good. I can't do this in front of all these people where they're there to see Abraham, not this guy having convulsions in the front row. So I, I was <laughs> no. able to get in the hot seat and ask Abraham about it. And that's when I was given the green light by the beings, you know, that meant the most to me that, you know, to have Esther channel Abraham and say, yes, you're going to do this. I was like, mm. what? And I was, I, I was surprised and I was so happy to have been told that because yeah. I thought, Oh, I must be doing something wrong. This isn't for me. I'm trying too hard. Like all these things. They said, you just have some resistance in your body to it, but you'll get over that as you continue doing it. And you're going to do exactly what Esther does. And I just was like, okay. And I did. Can I back you up for a second? You said that you tuned into Esther. Well, what I mean is. Well, I guess Abraham. Yeah. What does that mean? Tuned in. Instead of thinking in my head the whole time I'm sitting there at the workshop about what everyone else is asking about, the questions, the answers, all that stuff, I'm just going to see what I can feel because I know she's bringing in this energy and I kind of was understanding energy more and I knew that I could close my eyes and tune in and receive something as well. And so mm. I'm not saying that I was channeling Abraham. I don't think I was. I think... Abraham sort of specific to Esther. And I, I kind of just wanted to have a different experience after experiencing those workshops for five years. Over those five years, I probably spent hundreds of hours at Abraham workshops in person. Wow. And I wanted to, to have a different experience of it. You know? Yeah. I was in the hot seat 17 times in total. Oh my gosh. That's wild. So after that, is that when you started really like channeling different beings from that point on? At that point. So what also happened in 2010 was I, I got a divorce. I filed for divorce. I wasn't happy in my marriage. That was part of what precipitated the March 2010 thing too, because I kind of had hit a rock bottom in my life mm -hmm. and was thinking mm -hmm. about leaving and like how I would do it and all that stuff. And, mm. and so obviously I didn't. And, and 
like some near-death experiencers who they don't even die. It kind of felt that way to me. And mm-hmm. like that moment just gave me something to live for. And so in that span between March and October, I had filed for divorce, met someone else on an Abraham cruise. And she and I were then um, Skyping all the time, four times a week, four to six hours at a time. And she was someone that was way into Abraham and was totally fine with sitting there waiting for me to channel as I initially looked like this. (laughs) So my face, my mouth, my head and my neck would just look super contorted and tense and make all these strange movements. I now know they were trying to move my head like Stevie Wonder again. And they were trying to do that because it creates a better receiver of the channeled energy because your brain's the receiver and your brain is normally operating as two hemispheres, right and left with the corpus callosum, a thin sheath separating them. So they really are Mm. two brains, but there are certain things you can do. And this is one of them. And somebody pointed out to me recently that this, what this does is it crosses the center line of the body. Mm. So any motion you do, like juggling, like walking, can also bring those right and left hemispheres together to create one brain. And then one brain is more powerful in the sense of like being able to receive that energy that you're channeling. So that's what happens with channeling. It's energy, it's received, it has to go into the body. So it has to be received and like accepted into the body. And then it's translated by the person into something. Some people translate it into sound, light language, um, healing energy. Um, they, they put the healing energy through their hands. Um, some people will see things, know things. And I, for some reason, from the very beginning, knew that I was just going to speak it. I was not going to write it first I was not going to have a clairaudient. I've had like a few minor clairaudient experiences in my life. But for the most part, it just comes through me audibly, verbally. And that's the way it always has been. And the first time I spoke was for a group I later had to give a name to. They would not choose a name for themselves. They wanted me to do it. And that's the same thing that Esther had to do with Abraham and Daryl had to do with Bashar. A lot of them don't have names and they they don't go by a name where they are. There's no need for names where they are because they're a non-physical energy that can be identified by their vibrational signature by all others in that realm. So mm. I, I eventually came up with the name, the creators for them. And they initially, the words I spoke was, we are here for you. And after that, people would have to ask questions because... I didn't feel confident enough for the first year and a half that I was channeling to to just channel freestyle without any questions. Now, if somebody wanted to try channeling for themselves, doing that like back and forth with the head, can do you think that would help with everyone, or is that just specific to you? And you know, I think people naturally do it. I think one of the first symptoms of someone starting to channel is a physical movement, a twitching, 
a tingling, a heat sensation, something going on with the body that they're not, they're not doing it. Mm. So the first thing to do is to make sure you're in a high vibrational place before you even sit to channel, make sure you're, you're, you've done something to make yourself feel a little bit better than you're normally okay. feeling throughout the day. So maybe it's showering, maybe it's singing, maybe it's dancing, maybe it's going for a walk, petting your dog or cat, whatever you're going to do. Meditating is an easy one. Yeah. Can you explain vibration? Like what does vibration mean? Everything is energy and energy, all energy vibrates. So all energy has a vibration. It's why, mm -hmm. because my vibration is different from the ground, I'm sitting on the floor right now. I'm not just going right through the ground. Like I'm watching the Flash movie right now. I'm <laughs> gradually making my way through it. It's a long movie. And, um, you know, one of the things the Flash can do is he can vibrate so fast that he can move through walls and things. And the character at one point, the he's learning how to use his talents. And he <laughs> he vibrates so that he just goes right through the floor. And then... <laughs> And then lands in the wow. dormitory beneath his because he's in college. And um, so it, th that's vibration is what gives us the idea of um, separation, too, because your your energy vibrates at a particular frequency. That is your vibrational signature that is unique to you and mind vibrates. And that's and it's why and our bodies, our bodies have their own vibration and the chair and the, and all the objects to create this illusion of physical reality that we have. And so wow. when it comes to us, because we're thinking sentient beings who can have thoughts and feelings and beliefs and all those things, we can shift our vibration. We can go from feeling really sad to feeling really happy in the same day. And those are different vibratory states of being that we're in where the, mm. the lower feels not so good. The higher feels really good. And most of us are at some sort of baseline vibration through most of the day. So there's, it's, it's kind of complicated because like I said, you have a vibrational signature that will always be you. I have a vibrational signature that will always be me, but then we also alter the vibration. I think of this idea of ourselves that we are pretending to be as humans and so that's mm. different, I think, from like the soul's vibration. The soul has its ultimate vibration, which makes, which keeps souls having a separate type of experience from one another, too. Right. So it's a little bit complicated. And I don't know if I'm, I mean, one way to think about it is to think about sound and how sound vibrates and how a speaker can actually vibrate. And you change, if you change the music coming through that speaker, and you put sand on that speaker, the sand mm -hmm. will actually form into different shapes, different mandalas, depending on the music that's coming through it. Wild. You know, water has like this crystalline structure within it. And depending on what music is playing or what, what word is written on the glass or something, it will change the structure. So it's all, everything is really about vibration, which is strange. It's strange that more people don't talk about it, that it's not taught in schools at this point, because it is, mm -hmm. I mean, luckily at this point, we are at least starting to see more awareness 
in our culture of the importance of emotions because emotions are like they're like vibration that has a lifespan you know usually you feel joy but you feel joy for a certain amount of time and then you go back to your baseline whereas that joy is kind of a conditional joy too that emotional joy because usually mm-hmm. something good happens somebody told you some good news or you anticipate anticipating something when you feel that joy but what we can do what we have the power to do with our minds and our focus is we have the power to activate the vibration of joy within us for no reason other than we want to feel joyful. How do you do that? Well, you first of all, you realize when when if you're listening to this podcast, then you are awake. You're awake spiritually. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be awake spiritually? It means you know you are God, essentially. You're God, mm-hmm. and you're God pretending to be a human being And you might say, but I'm not the God, right? I'm not the whole. Yes, you are. It's all it's all illusion. The whole idea that you're not everything and that you're not, you know, the source of everything. And basically, God has given itself the the opportunity and the experience to go out into all these different realms and dimensions and universes to have different experiences of itself, but it's still just the one thing doing it all and it's all God. So if that's true, which I, I hope I just, I hope I didn't lose anybody there. If that's true. Yeah, then, no, I think, yeah. Then you're everything. Yeah. I love the idea of thinking of it as like, okay, so the God is the ocean, right? And we're just drops of the ocean. But mm-hmm. if you, the drop is the same essence as the whole ocean. So we're all the same. I love thinking of it in that way. Yeah. And unlike the ocean, though, you could take a drop of water out of the ocean, it would still be the ocean. Mm -hmm. But you can't remove any of the parts of God. It it can't happen. There's there's nothing that can exist outside of that, which we call God or source or all that is or whatever name you give, you, you label it. And you could say the universe, but God is much bigger than the universe. There's so many universes out there. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we know that about ourselves, that we have to know that about ourselves in my book to be awake, then what that means is you have all vibrations inside of you. There's nothing, there's no vibration that exists that isn't inside of you and isn't a part of you that makes you up to be your whole self. So that means... That what you have to do to feel joy or love or peace or anything is take your consciousness, put your phone down, (laughs) you know, shut off your TV (laughs) and your computer and actually spend some time going inward. Mm -hmm. And we have these beautiful seven main chakras that are these energy centers that hold the capacity for different feelings and and different experiences and and they have different themes with them of course so take the heart chakra for example that's where you would want to go with your awareness and by awareness i'm just saying like if you like right now think of your what's going on at the tip of your right pinky like just put your focus there what is happening right now nothing really but you can feel it if you put your attention there And you say, okay, I'm aware now that I have a right pinky and that there's a tip to my right pinky and there's not a lot going on right there. Right now, Maybe I can feel it vibrating a little bit if I put my attention there 
or I, maybe I can feel some yes. sensation there. So you can do that with your inner realm too. And we all have the capacity to say, like if something heartwarming happens right in front of you, like a baby cuddling a puppy, you automatically go, and you feel it in your heart. And maybe you don't tune into it because you're so focused on the baby and the puppy, but there's a visceral reaction in your body that was there just waiting for that stimulus to Mm. cause it to become known to you. So basically what I'm saying is you can make that sensation known to you that it exists inside of you without the outside stimulus. And that's basically how we create a reality. Because if you want something, you want moments like that in your experience, then if you go within first and you generate them by focusing, like let's say on the heart, and everybody can do that together right now, just when you breathe, fortunately, your lungs are right around your heart. So you breathe in, it's easy to think in terms of I'm breathing into my heart, and it gets your attention on your heart. And let's say, Okay, I want to generate that awe feeling, that love feeling that's naturally evoked when I look upon someone I love's face or my cat or my dog. They just have to walk by or a child laughing or a dolphin or whatever it is that just gets you in that space. You can get in that space automatically by just dropping your awareness down. You can place your hand over your center of your chest too. The heart is mostly in center. I know we feel it on the left side more, but it's only because it's tilting a little bit to the left, but it's right there in the center. So focus your attention in the center of your chest and breathe and see if you can drum up some warm sensation of love just because you're deciding, I want to feel that way now. And the more you do it and the more attention you give it and the more you sit there and you breathe into it, the more you feel it and generate it and you activate the vibration of love. And then that's what you're creating your reality with instead of what we're mostly doing, which is, like I said before, you know, anxiety, something like that, that's just running beneath the surface all the time. And we're always trying to compensate for something. We're trying to compensate for not feeling good enough and all these things. And so we're taking lots of actions. We're trying to prove ourselves as being good by making more money and buying more stuff and having good relationships, having a partner that you feel proud of and you, and you show off to people and a house, the same thing, you know, you want everybody to see your house and and know how great it is. And, and that's what we're doing to try to compensate for what we're, what we're really feeling a lot of times instead of saying, oh, well, you know, I'd rather actually not go through my life that way and instead yes. um, see if I can shift that vibration just because I want to and I, and I know I can and I know it exists inside of me and I, I can get to it if I really. Because a, a lot of what, what is going on that doesn't feel that good is sort of, surrounding the love at the center of all of us. And it's the fear and it's the sadness and the anger and the hate and the resentment and all that stuff that gathers up around it. So it's the outer shell then that we mostly experience because we don't really take the effort to move through that stuff to get to Mm -hmm. the warm, gooey center that we would 
want to get to if we were eating a Tootsie Pop. And like, if you like, what do you think when you're first born and, you know, a baby will say they, they say that children are just so, you know, you know, malleable, like you can, oh, yeah. they're, you know, like they're, they're little sponges, of course, but mm-hmm. they're just happy and they don't have like any of those heavier yeah. emotions going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel like we all kind of go through life and each year that passes, like that hard exterior, just one layer piles onto another? I think unfortunately, yeah. Because I I feel like that's what happened to me. Like I I feel like I started to like close myself off just to keep myself safe. But when Mm. when I was doing that, I wasn't experiencing life, you know, because Mm. I – I didn't want to be let down by certain things. I didn't want to feel certain emotions. So if mm. I just don't feel at all, you know, and I, I do put these, this shell around myself, I won't get hurt that way. And it's funny because like I said earlier to the listener, because Daniel and I had scheduled this so long ago, I actually thought maybe he wouldn't be able to, because this was like months and months and months ago. I was like, you know what? I'll do a solo podcast. And the I, the <laughs> podcast I was going to do is going to be titled, Are You Asleep? Are You Awake? Basically. And I was going to talk about what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Because at one point I was asleep. Yeah. And then once I became a- awake and started going inward, like you were explaining and just becoming more aware of myself and my thoughts and all of that, everything changed. But I... I mean, how often do you walk around even like you just go to the grocery store and you're like, well, they're asleep, (laughs) you know, like there's so many people that are so, I feel guarded and don't, they're just in the everyday grind, the hustle. And it's, I don't know. And I know that everybody's on a different journey and a different path on a different avenue that they're going. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like, oh gosh, if that person just knew like the richness that they could be feeling right now, but they're not, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what happens to us too, and we're seeing this more and more being reflected to us in the movies and in the television shows that are mm-hmm. being put out there now, which are much, much deeper than when we were, well, I was a kid, I'm 51. So I, you know, I remember things uh, from the seventies and eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you, you see things and they, they are aware that a lot of what's going on with these characters and what's motivating them and such is their yeah. trauma. So there's some mm, sort of yeah. trauma that occurs. And for us parents, cause I'm a parent now I'm, I've got a four and a half year old and we don't want to project all of our stuff onto our child and mm-hmm. create a little carbon copy of ourselves. Yeah. We want them to have a better childhood than we had. But at the same time, we're still dealing with all of our stuff. And, you know, you can't really hide anything from them. They are sponges. They do imitate that my daughter imitates me, my wife, her cousin, you know, anybody mm-hmm. that she sees and likes and looks up to, she's imitating and you you have to yeah, realize yeah. that yeah to see her just having fun and laughing and talking to herself and singing and all these things it's 
the way it's supposed to be, you know, until we allow our trauma then to be projected out in the ways that we parent and we raise our kids. So like, let's say you grew up in a, in a country where you, you weren't sure if you were going to live through the winter, if you were, you weren't sure if you're going to have enough, you weren't sure if the food was going to run out, if you're going to be able to pay the electric bill, all those things. So you have all those fears. So then as a parent, you think the best thing you can do is make sure your child never experiences that by cracking the whip at them and making right. them become hard workers, hard, study hard, teach them about, you know, how important it is to get good grades, get a good job. This will never happen to you. This will never happen to you because you'll be financially so much better off than I was. And the parent thinks they're doing the right thing by that. And the child just wants to draw, you know, (laughs) and the child's (laughs) like, the child's like this little artist that's trying to come out. And the parent's like, no, 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 you, you, you don't make money that way. Artists are starving artists and artists, you know, it's very, it's very hard world to get you. You should maybe graphic design, maybe you should study graphic, you know, and they try to start to make it more, uh, monetizable and, and, um, practical when the kids like wanting to draw whatever they want to draw. So that's kind of what we do to our children. (laughs) Yes, I know. And it's well-intentioned for the most part. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously there are those parents too that just don't like themselves and they see themselves in their child. And then they're like, I'll take out Mm -hmm. all my anger at myself on this little version of myself. (laughs) I know. I um, own my own preschool, so I've oh, been wow. teaching children. Oh, I, yeah, I remember you telling me this. Like 15, 20 years. Yeah. So I work with three and four-year-olds and I just, I see that all the time. Actually, all the aspects, like parents kind of like putting some of their own insecurities on the child, but also the children just being in in their own creation and being in total bliss and you know, just not letting the outside world affect them. They just, they own it. You know what I mean? They own themselves. And I truly love doing that part throughout my day. You know, I'm done at noon every day, but I love doing that part because they remind me to stay in that childlike state, you know, in that mentality of play and creativity and just enjoyment in the little things. It doesn't have to be, I mean, I feel like by the time we become adults, we, we, complicate things so much that we've lost that little spark, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my daughter wants to learn. Like I, I'll say something to her, like, do you want to know about this? Or do you want to learn this? And she's always like, yes. And she's excited yeah. and very interested to learn about new things. So you don't have to cram it down Push their it. throats. And no. yeah, they're just, they, they love, they want it's the reason. And I remember, cause I studied to become a teacher at one point. The reason mm-hmm. we all start talking is because we want in on this thing. No one has to teach you how to talk, you know, but everybody, right. all children want to participate more in their yeah. world. So they naturally learn how to talk in order to do that, you know? Right. I know they are. They're watching everything that the adults around them are doing and mimicking and all the things. But yeah, I just love kids. They're awesome. They are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Great teachers too, to us. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so true. I guess 
I know we're going to wrap up here soon, but could you, okay, first of all, who have you been channeling lately? Yeah. And do you have any messages that you have received as of like the last few days, maybe that you'd like to share with this, the listeners Mm -hmm. as a whole? I, um, for the longest time have been channeling the creators. Like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. 2016 is when I first started channeling the Arcturians. I'm kind of most known for channeling them because I channeled them consistently for seven years, almost every day for daily messages. Mm -hmm. So there's literally thousands of my channelings of Arcturians out there on my YouTube channel, my website. But then like last year, this group started coming through me. It's a collective of ascended masters and they call themselves thymus and i was like Mm. what when they call themselves that i'm like thymus are you sure (laughs) and uh then i had to go and look it up i'm like oh okay so the thymus gland that's where the high heart is so there's the seven main chakras and there's the high heart chakra so it's where the high heart is they're the ascended masters collective so you've got melchizedek in there and yeshua and mother mary and Kuan Yin and Mary Magdalene and Buddha and St. Germain and all these. And they're just, it's just all of them put together in one collective consciousness. And they started coming through me while I was in my own channeling class teaching. So a lot of beings have been coming through me that way lately. So I'm not done (laughs) channeling all the different (laughs) beings I will ever channel. But for no. as far as those daily messages go, they're the new ones. And then everybody else's channel that I've been channeling in those messages lately are beings I've channeled for a long time, like the Hathors, the Pleiadian High Council of Seven, the Creators, and um, oh, the Andromedan Council of Light. I started channeling them a long time ago, but I haven't really done it consistently. But then they started coming up a lot in my sessions with people. So I thought maybe it's time to bring them forth for these messages wow. too. And the, the most recent message from Thymus was actually about the unawakened. And it was no about, way. yeah. And it was about how they can be leading very spiritual lives, very fifth dimensional lives without knowing what we know as awakened people, without believing what we believe about ascension and all that stuff. But they just are naturally kind hearted, compassionate people who are living a very heart-centered life where they may not know the word vibration, but they're definitely following the good vibrations and their intuition and things like that. So to remember that, to remember that you can actually have a really life-altering conversation with someone who's technically unawake and that it's really our job as awakened people to see everyone as a source energy being and and treat mm-hmm. them as such, you know. Right. Yeah. So that was their latest message from yesterday. Wow. If people wanted to find you, how could they do that? Well, my website's just my name, danielscranton.com. S-C-R-A-N-T-O-N is how you spell Scranton. It's the same way as the city in Pennsylvania where they put the <laughs> office. They said, you remember the show, The Office with Steve Carell, yes, that was set yeah. in Scranton. So my my name got a lot of um, airplay <laughs> during those yeah. years. Um, and and then I have a YouTube channel. It's also just my name. Um, there's a lot of other people reposting my videos on YouTube. So make sure if you want to find mine, you see me, you see my smiling face with a blue shirt on. Um, 
in the little icon thing because that's my channel. And and I have 40,000 subscribers. So that's the other way you'll know it's my channel. I have 40,000 yeah. subscribers and, um, and, you know, thousands of videos on there. So people can find me on Instagram too. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely put all this in the show notes, but just okay. in case somebody doesn't want to like check that out, whatever, I wanted to make sure to yeah. let them know this way. So yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for being here today with me and explaining <laughs> this, this, I don't even know how to describe. I think we scratched the surface of what channeling is. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I would love it's to. Basically, look, I, I'll, I'll encapsulate it right now. It's basically you relax, you raise your vibration, you open up, you receive this energy. This energy then eventually wants to be expressed through you in some way. And then all you have to do is let it out and you're channeling. Mm. doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be speaking words in English and that those words are going to develop into teachings. It may be something else. People channel light language, people channel tones, but that's basically it in a nutshell and how it happens. And it happens more and more to people when they're not trying to do it, but they're just living their lives, following their bliss and doing what they love to do the most, because that's when we're the most open. Also happens a lot to people in the shower and the bath and think places like that where there's water it seems to mm. facilitate it. Yeah. Happening. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And to the listener, I hope you enjoyed this very educational podcast with Daniel Scranton. Mm-hmm. And I will see you all next time. Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. <laughs>